0: Dropping the untold stories of industry leaders, influencers, and insights on future innovation. I'm John Davidson, and this is the, the DLC, DLC Drop, Drop Podcast. Podcast. Welcome everybody to the DLC Drop Podcast. It is my pleasure to welcome my good friend Gabrielle She Is a millennial motivator, best-selling author of five books, including The Purpose Factor, Get It Anywhere. Books are sold is what I'm told. Is this accurate?
1: (laughs) It's completely accurate, yeah.
0: Wonderful. She's also president of Millennial Solution and co-founder of The Purpose Company. Welcome.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, it's a pleasure. So one of the fun things that I love to do as we're uh, starting these episodes with people who are good friends of mine is telling stories of how we met. So I'm curious. This is what I'd like to do. I'll tell my version oh, of it. Oh,
1: gosh. Yeah, that's great. And then
0: you tell your all version right, of it.
1: perfect. Yeah, you should definitely start. Oh, we'll see.
0: Okay, so I had moved to Sacramento recently. Oh, we're going way... <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow, you're really starting at the beginning. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, good
0: and this, somebody I met was like, hey, John, do you want to go to a concert? I was like, sure. Always down for concerts. It's like, cool. I've got these two girls that are coming so the four of us can go. And I was like, all right, this sounds pretty good so far. So we go and I think I walk into his apartment and first thing I saw was red hair, to be clear. And I was like, "Okay, where are we going?" We hop in the car. I don't think it was clear too, like who was with who. Which it was a very
1: confusing situation. Yeah, is this a double date or are we all just strangers going to this? An anonymous concert because no one told us what the concert was. Yeah, and
0: so as we and we're like, what is the concert going to be? it's so, You'll see when you get there. You'll be. Helped. It was
1: free, so both of us. I think we heard that, and we were both pretty broke college kids, so we're like, absolutely free entertainment, free music. Yeah, yeah. Little like, did we know. I call
0: that the radio. <laughs> so we roll up, and it turns out it's yawning which
1: <laughs> did you know who Yanni was before we went to that concert?
0: I knew based on memes. I knew the the double piano,
1: right, and, and the stash, mustache, right, yeah.
0: But the mustache was missing,
1: which made it extremely confusing.
0: That's I Bait was like, this, is why, this yeah. is why it's free. This is why it's free. The caterpillar had had uh-huh. crawled away.
1: It was really unfortunate.
0: And then, so based on that hilarious experience, right? I remember there were some old ladies behind us, and they're like in love with Yanni and we're just like
1: they hadn't met you yet John
0: give it time (laughs) and so that was I think the first time and we exchanged numbers and we're like you're awesome I'm awesome I think you said that
1: naturally yeah yeah
0: and then we became friends and that was I was thinking about this the other day that was about how many years ago 12 at
1: least I know It's so funny because you meet people who are older because now we can say that, unfortunately, but and they'd be like, it's all mental, right? And, oh, yeah, I remember I've been friends with them for 20 years or for 15 years. And it's so funny because there are very few people that I can go back and say, yes, I've actually been friends with this person for that long. And I think that you're definitely one of them. And so it's pretty funny when you actually look back and count back the numbers like, man. Like before we came on, I was like, "Oh, I, I saw a picture of us at my college graduation, and uh, haven't changed a bit." <laughs> Which
0: you graduated before I did, but are, I'm trying to I'm trying to figure <laughs> out the math there. I haven't quite figured it out.
1: Yeah, and different then, paths.
0: And you've just moved to Dallas. Um, I did. In yeah, in March. In March, right yeah. before the shutdown. Yep. Welcome. So Thank so you. It's super cool that we're in the same city now, even though we're so busy that we yeah. never see each other. Yeah.
1: Start off in Sacramento. We both had little detours, and here we are in. Dallas.
0: And so that's what I'd love to talk about is so I came to Dallas before that I had moved all around the country skateboarding. But what was your uh, next stop after Sacramento?
1: Oh, my goodness. So in Sacramento, I actually got into politics because I was the typical millennial wanting to change the world. And so I was like, absolutely, I'm getting into politics and uh, government, and uh, realized that I was more of the problem than the solution, <laughs> and uh, and I think I got into government too because my parents are both entrepreneurs, so I grew mm-hmm. up in a pretty exciting slash volatile kind of <laughs> environment where I remember going to on vacation with them, and then it would payroll wasn't you know happening, or my mom would be late picking me up from school for three hours because she's hey something happened with the accountant, so I wow. just remember that world, and so I was like what is the opposite of An entrepreneur. And I was like, perfect, a government employee. And uh, tried that for a bit. Really did enjoy it. I was an education consultant. So I got to do all kind of the geeky stuff that I enjoy doing. But my boss decided to not run for election again, which in political speak means unemployed. So that kind of created an opportunity for me to reevaluate and experience what I call the quarter life crisis. When you're in your 20s and you're like, what am I doing? Is this what I want to do forever? If I wake up in 10 years and I'm still here, am I going to be happy or disappointed? Yeah. So naturally, I moved to Virginia Beach. As sight unseen. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Naturally, that's what one does. And yeah, it was just this really crazy turn of events where this guy had seen, I think I got connected at a conference and reached out and said, hey, uh, we're starting this media entity for millennials to get involved in uh, politics. And uh, are you interested? And those are like my two jams. It's like millennials and politics. Let, let's do it. And uh, moved to Virginia Beach. Turned out later that the guy who was starting this company actually had told everyone we were in a relationship. So that was awkward. And <laughs> was there
0: a balloon ride involved?
1: There was not a balloon okay. ride, which that's a whole other yeah conversation, maybe for later. But yeah, almost as bad. He had actually made this sign. So I landed in the airport in Virginia Beach in Norfolk, and um, I come down the elevate the escalator, and there's he's standing there with this sign that he had hand drawn, and it said "Welcome Home, Gabby." And at the time, I was really into leopard, which was probably a thing when we were still <laughs> hanging out. Like all of my suitcases were leopard. It was a little over the Sounds top. I vaguely remember yeah. too much. Yeah, he had hand-drawn little leopard spots inside of my name on this sign that he had created. Do
0: you still so have the sign?
1: I it has not made it the six other moves. So okay. somehow it's it's ended up in the trash. But. Bummer. And there were roses involved. And I just found out later that he had been telling everyone we were in this relationship. It was awkward, to say the least. So that startup that I was supposed to be a part of didn't go anywhere. Like I landed in like the next week. They're like, yeah, I don't really think that this is a thing. So I'm across.
0: Was it just the two of you to start or were there other? There were other people as well.
1: Yeah. Um, Or at least that's what he told me. So that way I moved across the country. Um, No, I'm just kidding. There were people. And I'm still very close friends with some of the other folks that are in it. Cool. But I was finished on my master's. But no master's. longer in
0: a relationship. With <laughs> we
1: broke up <laughs> after the relationship. That wasn't really a thing. Yeah. And uh, I just remember having to reevaluate. Okay, I thought that I was going to start this kind of new season of doing media because that was another thing that I always had wanted to do. Sure. And, uh, and I think a lot of times when you're young too, you have this, I call it the princess in the castle kind of idea that you're just going to sit and event, uh, wait and someone's eventually going to come discover you. Like, mm. oh my gosh, eventually someone's going to make the connection or someone's going to see the talent that I am, or someone's going to give me the podcast or someone's going to tell me to write the book and uh, and that's going to be it. And I think sometimes we do that because it sounds better that someone discovered us because yeah. we don't want to be this self-promoting type person that's always trying to put ourselves out there. But uh,
0: another semi opinion on that. Yeah. Which is, I think I'm a big believer that there's no big breaks. Sure there's steps that may result in a breakthrough, but I think it's easier for us to believe that there's a business lottery out there that I just have to get in front of the right person or I have to make the right connection. In fact, my mom met somebody the other day, an Uber driver who she gave my phone number to.
1: Can you have your mom on the show? I think you should. Okay.
0: It's pretty awesome. We'll pencil that in with the producers. (laughs) Thank
1: you. Putting that in the suggestion box.
0: Yeah. Great suggestion, Gabby. Uh Thanks for that. Uh, Mom, I hope you're listening. Love you. (laughs) It's easier to believe because it's out of your control and you're just hoping.
1: Yeah.
0: And if you don't get your big break, there's some mentality like it's not your fault. Of course. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, they just didn't discover me yet. Or it's pure luck and some people get it and some don't. Yep. I think the truth is, no, you got to grind every single day. And I've also, I remember I used to work at this design studio and every once in a while we'd have a big project like we we did a global campaign for Nike and we're like when people see this this is gonna really boost our brand and everything it didn't I mean it's a great portfolio piece and it, it's another talking point to reach out to more sure. people but I think and obviously there's exceptions to the rule but there's very few times that it's actually you did this one thing or you met this one person and it catapulted you to.
1: yep yeah and I don't think you really know what that that breakthrough moment could be like they said, Good. it takes you a decade to have one of those overnight successes. And, and I totally agree. I think a lot of times people, especially whether they're going into business or they're working inside of a company themselves, I, I think a lot of people put so much in the hands of other people, like what you're talking about. Mm. So like we talk yeah. a lot about purpose. And one of the things I think people do is they put purpose inside of other people's hands. So, yeah, soft sell for my book, The Purpose Factor. but. I think a big part of that is because you're right that people don't want to be held liable if it doesn't work out. So right. they're really, we're all just protecting our egos against disappointment. And so we're Absolutely. like, I didn't really want it that bad, or they didn't see me for who I was, or the economy was really crappy, or fill in the blank for the excuse, yeah. rather than taking ownership, I think, of kind of the process itself.
0: I used to have a really kind of self-sabotage type of a thing going back years where I wouldn't try hard because I n- there was something in my mind that if I tried hard and I failed, like it, it said something negative about me that I Tired. didn't want to believe. But if I didn't really try, then I didn't try. So, of course, I didn't achieve it. Yep. And when I was in high school and I was a sponsored skater and I go to Portland to visit my brother in college, he'd be telling everybody, oh, my younger brother's amazing skateboarder and stuff like that, and he'd tee me up on the top of this mountain for everybody to see me skate, and then I would roll up and I would just skate a little bit. Because they felt all this pressure. And then later I found this in business as well, which is, what if I go after these pitches and they say no to me and everything? And then I had a kind of epiphany not too long ago. It was actually my mom who's going to be on the podcast. We just found out. (laughs) uh, Just booked. Yeah. And I was going to pitch a major shoe brand for me to lead esports for them. And it was before I planned to start DLC and I was going to pitch myself as an employee of theirs. And my mom, who's more practical than I am, sometimes I see the, the world a little too glass half full. But she said, how exciting that will be just to try. And that that blew my mind because I was like, like everything up until that point had always been focused on the result, not the process. Sure. And I think too, with anything you you want to do, especially the harder it is, you have to fall in love with the process because you're that's more of your life than the result. Sure. Yeah. You know that you you can celebrate one time if that moment happens, but what you're doing in and out every day is to enjoy developing the pitch or developing the program and pitching it things of yep. that nature.
1: Yeah, and I think I think Shark Tank has changed a lot of people's perspectives even on putting your purpose in someone else's hands or that breakthrough in someone else's hands where i have so many people i've had my own business since i was 23 yeah. and so it's 2 years ago and no, i'm just kidding now that i'm in my 30s i can make uh, old can we person jokes that? Yeah. And and I think a lot of people who want to go into business for themselves are like, I just need an investor or I just need to have someone who's going to discover me or I just need someone who's going to see me for who I am. And then they're going to do the legwork to bring in the finance team and the marketers and the copywriters and the branding people. And I'll just show up with my great idea. But that's not how it works. Right. At all, as you are experiencing rather quickly. And I think and, and I think that's the power I think of really understanding what value you provide, because when you fall in love with the process, but you also do have to fall in love with the transformation you provide to other people because mm. there's no other way you're going to push through the crap. Like the late hours, the grinding, the hustling, the pitching, the, the failures, the embarrassment. I mean, it, yeah, hustling is hard. It's called hustle for a reason, but if you don't fall in love with the transformation that you provide other people, then what's the point? Money comes and goes. You can make money. You can lose money. It'll be fine. But when you recognize that what you have inside of you will help other people, Mm. that makes it all worth it.
0: And that's the kind of the overlying purpose. And that's something that's really helped me is my purpose is just helping people. And I just see I want to love people and I want to help them in any way that I can. And then I evaluated, okay, how do I spend most of my time? Mm -hmm. I spend most of my time working. So what can help? How can I help people? within my work. It doesn't always have to be some life-changing thing. It can be, I can help esports fans have a better experience, unforgettable memories. That's a super cool thing that I could do within this. I can help brands create effective campaigns that effectively engage a community, which will result in ROI and sales of these things. And then the way I do that increases the experience for that community. And... As I think of these, like, overarching purposes, I think sometimes we get stuck in lower purposes of, let's say, skateboarding. Okay, I love skateboarding. If I work at a skate shop, I'm just selling shoes and gripping boards for kids, which I hate doing that, by the way, so that would be terrible. I won't
1: ask you to do that for me then.
0: Thank you. (laughs) Grip your own skateboard, Gabby.
1: Got it. All right. Like, a lot of times
0: we say, oh, my passion is soccer or baseball or whatever. And you end up doing something around that, but you're not doing, but you're doing something that you hate, Yeah, but it's not anywhere near your passion. So I think it's, or your purpose. So I think like having a higher level purpose that you can filter things in makes a lot of sense.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Purpose, how we define purpose is just what you have inside of you to help other people. Mm-hmm. And so that's really what it's all about. But it's understanding how you uniquely help people. So just saying I help people, we call that the Miss America answer. Of course you do, right? Like most people say, oh yeah, I want to help people. Like, okay, do you want to help me? Well, now I know you don't want to help me grip my board, so bummer. Or (laughs) help me move or help me paint. Most people will say I want to help people until you ask them to help. And then they're like, but not in that way. (laughs) And that's why I think understanding your purpose is so important because you have a unique story. You've overcome unique things. You have a unique skill set. And it's really getting clarity about how all those fit together. And so what I love asking people, like if I'm at coffee with someone or I just have a quick little exchange and someone's, I want to know my purpose, um, I'll always ask them, what have you overcome? To pay for this dinner. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Let's start there. Hold on, this is on you. But I'll oftentimes ask them, what have you overcome that you can Mm -hmm. help other people overcome?
0: Oh, that's a great way to put it, yeah.
1: So it could be an eating disorder. It could be starting a business for yourself. It could be how to redecorate or rebuild after a broken marriage. So many of us, have skills that we don't even recognize that we have,
0: Absolutely. that we've had
1: to learn how to cope, overcome and survive. Because you've lived it. Exactly. And you, there are people out there who need that. And yeah. that's, I think, one of the core foundations of any business. If you want to write a book, that's one of the best answers, uh, questions to ask to find the answer of what kind of book you want to write. If right. you're trying to figure out what to do next with your life, it's such a cornerstone question to really consider what have I overcome that I can help other people overcome.
0: Yeah. Another thing that somebody used to work with at GameStop always told me, he said, your common sense is nobody else's common sense. And I always struggle with that. I always believe that everybody knows everything I know and more. And so one of the ways that I failed in business pitching ideas internally at a big company was I didn't start further down the funnel enough. Sure. So, cause I was like, oh, everybody knows this stuff. Yep. So I'm starting here. And then nobody was getting my ideas. Sure or the need for them. And so what you're talking about with purpose and everything is, you know, we can believe, oh, everybody knows this stuff. I'm not like special in any way. Like I'm not this person on TV or this podcast or whatever. Like yeah. I'm just a normal person. I think we should not discount ourselves. So also,
1: much. all of those people are normal people too. <laughs> I think we accept you, of course.
0: I have my own podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Big time. I Yeah, I think that a lot of times we look out there and I think comparison kills so much of our purpose off because we assume they're so much farther ahead or there's already people in that space or why would someone want my product or service? Yep. Because you don't recognize your purpose. And I hear a lot of people talking about imposter syndrome. It's really big in the motivational space right now. And people are like, I suffer from imposter syndrome. Oh, I I don't really deserve it. Or if they really only knew. But I actually think that's total crap. I think- Imposter syndrome really simply means that you don't know your purpose. Mm. You can't be an imposter on yourself when you're yourself.
0: Yeah, two things I've thought about that. I heard Gary Vaynerchuk uh, said on a recent piece of content, one of the many. Yeah. Um, he said, recognize that everybody else sucks too. Sure. And that has helped me so much because there's some things that I'm like, I don't know this, or I do in my own company. Like, how am I going to do this? There's some things I'm confident in, but there's so much I haven't done yet. And just saying, okay, Everybody else is in the same boat, I think is something that's just really helped me.
1: Oh, it's I think it's so helpful because and I talk to a lot of people who want to start their own business because what we do at the purpose company is we help people first discover their purpose and then apply it to figure out what to do next. So we help people start businesses or start coaching companies, write books, really figure out how do you put your purpose at work in the marketplace Mm -hmm. in a really practical way. And it's so funny because people will come to me and say, well, there are already so many other coaches or consultants or companies that do what I want to do. Yeah. And yes, the market is flooded. It's always competitive at the bottom, but it's o- always lonely at the top. If you're willing to do the work to be the best and to actually develop an expertise around something, because yeah. if you're just helping someone a little bit, then you're just going to get a little bit of fulfillment, a little bit of income, uh, a little bit of happiness. But if you help people a lot, if before someone meets you, they're one way and then after they're totally different. Mm. They have a better house because you sold them a great house. If you're a realtor, they are you know healthier because you're a health coach and you help them make better life decisions or help feed their family differently. Right. Every single business is in the business of transformation. Mm. And the better you get at transforming people, taking them from A to B, the more happy, the more fulfilled and the more in line with your purpose that you're going to be.
0: Yeah. And it sounds like you had a very specific moment sitting in an audience a long time ago yep. that helped you realize. That wasn't that long
1: ago, just for the record. Right. I
0: mean, <laughs> probably a couple of years ago. You're 23. So how long ago right. no could you I be? Right.
1: I know. It's true.
0: But yeah, founding Millennial Solution, if I yes. have that. So what was it? Tell me about that s- scenario. And then what was it that took you? What did you do to take the next steps to propel yep. yourself forward?
1: Yeah, I think we all have, we all will have a crisis of purpose in our lives. Some people, that crisis is thrust upon us through maybe the death of a family member or a divorce or a job layoff. Some people choose that crisis because they're so unhappy or uncomfortable where they're at that they wake up and they're like, I can't do this another day. I know I'm made for more. So that's where I was at. Is I had an okay job as a fundraiser at a nonprofit. Another career I wasn't great at. I was like the worst fundraiser ever.
0: I've had a, f- I've had a few careers. Ever.
1: <laughs> I was like, I was like, if you want to give, you totally can. If you don't want to, totally fine. I just, I think worst I raised- fundraiser ever. Yeah, it was the worst. Yeah, I was like so <laughs> apathetic. I was like, I if feel you want the to, if you want to not give, yeah, exactly. They're like, you clearly don't need it. Yeah, you're right. Probably a good decision. You should save your money. But <laughs>
0: they didn't turn you. They didn't reject you.
1: That's exactly right. Yeah. 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 I remember I was at this fundraising conference. I was in Hawaii. My mom was with me. She learned how to tag along on quite a few of these trips. And, and I remember I was at this conference and there's someone up on stage talking about millennials. Hmm. And at the time, I've always been really passionate about millennials. I always really felt drawn to helping my generation figure out what to do with their lives and get clarity. And I had no idea where to start. I was like, this is what I'm passionate about. If someone were to ask me, what are you passionate about? Ten minutes later, or if someone would have said, what's your purpose? Ten minutes later, I would have been like... Still trying to explain it, which if you can't explain your purpose in 60 seconds or less, you really don't know your purpose. So I had this passion, but I had no direction. Mm. And so I'm sitting in this audience. I'm sitting in the back. The guy at the front is speaking on millennials. And the whole time I'm thinking, I could be doing that. And I had this feeling in me and I didn't know what it was. It felt like jealousy or envy because I hadn't ever clocked that kind of emotion before. It was almost like this like vibration in me, but it it wasn't jealousy or envy. It was almost like I was having a physical reaction to the reality that I was going to be stuck unless I did something. And so it manifests different ways for people. Some people have a weird feeling in their stomach. Some people can't sleep at night. Some people just can't stop thinking about it. And I had this moment where it was almost like seeing this guy on stage, which he was much older than me. He was basically just complaining about millennials. Like, <laughs> I, I just saw, I was like, if this dude can do it, yeah, didn't right? talk about the
0: topic of millennials, he's right. like, these kids. Yeah,
1: now I'm, uh, yeah, kids How old these was days, that guy, right? Roughly. Do you
0: know, like,
1: like fifty something, okay. probably, yeah. yeah. And and I remember afterwards, I ended up chatting with him, and we had a really interesting exchange. I had done some research on millennials, and he he was like, you could do this. And for some reason, it took this guy who I don't even know who he is literally to say, You could do it, for me to say, I can do it. And I think permission is such a big piece, especially when you're starting out, is to say, Am I allowed?
0: Absolutely. And I
1: think as young people, we're taught to ask for permission. We raise our hands in in class to go to the restroom and we don't want to be seen as pushy at work. So we wait for a promotion to come by and we wait for clients to find us on social media versus going out and actually prospecting. Everything is waiting for permission to someone else because, again, ego, we don't want to seem pushy versus being more in love with helping people than, than in love with how we're seen by other people. So I, I had this moment and I remember leaving, I ended up meeting a now one of my really close friends, this guy, I met him in an elevator and um, we were talking and he said, what one word makes you smile? Which is a very weird question to ask someone that you just met. <laughs> and uh, and without thinking, I said generations. Hmm. And he's, he that's a really weird thing to say. And, and I explained it and he said, well, what are you going to do about it? And I was like, oh, I'm going to write a book. Like without thinking, I wouldn't process through it. I didn't say I can't. I didn't, I, wasn't, yeah. I didn't question how it would happen. I just laid down the gauntlet. I challenged myself and said, I'm just going to do it. So four months later, I was back in D.C. at the time, finished my book, launched my book. A couple months later, I had started my company. Yeah. And even that whole exchange of starting my company was crazy because I had written my book. I'm at a networking event and this woman comes up to me in, in D.C. I know you lived in Washington, D.C. for a yeah. bit. Uh, They call it the DC handshake. It's who are you and what do you do? (laughs) Now, at the time, I didn't have any clients. I didn't have a website. I didn't have anything. But she asked me what I did. And instead of saying what I got paid for, which was a failing fundraiser, like I suck at fundraising, I said who I was. And so Mm. I said, I'm an expert in millennials. And she looked at me and she's, oh, wow, we could really use you. And I was like, oh, where do you work? Thinking she, you know, worked at some no-name company. And she was like the Navy. Oh, like of the United like States. The, <laughs> the Navy? The yeah. Navy. Yeah, and that was my first client. Yeah, and it wow, just started there this incredible relationship with downhill from there. the yeah, <laughs> absolutely downhill. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been on like eight different naval bases. We work with the Air Force a lot. We wow. worked with a lot of government agencies on generational leadership, understanding how different generations lead and want to be led. Cool. And started this really crazy journey, but those two moments, I think of first getting permission to pursue my purpose and secondarily Mm -hmm. saying who I was, not what I did, I think really was able to capture that phase of my life that I recognized that I couldn't stay where I was at and I could complain about it or I could do something with it.
0: Interesting. And you've obviously done so much and you just told us how you got there. But what I'm curious of now is now that you're here where you're at, which you're very successful and I'm always inspired by the things that you're doing, How do you keep up the schedule handling all sorts of things, employees, speaking engagements, building new programs, all the things?
1: Sure. Yeah. I think that's the burden and the blessing of being an entrepreneur or quote unquote being your own boss, Yeah. which is so funny when people say that. There's really no such thing as being your own boss. Like I'm my own decision maker, but you have your own decisional faculties, whether you work for someone else or not. So it's just how you help people and to...
0: Well, I'll tell you, this is what my brother told me who has his own business. And so when I started my own business, he said, got good news and bad news for you. The good news is you can't get fired. The bad news is maybe you should be.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That sounds like something your brother would say. Yeah. Or they say you'll have the best boss and the worst boss all at the same time. And uh, yeah, so I have a couple of different ways that I've been able to navigate through everything and running two companies and writing a bunch of books and speaking and stuff. Yeah. So the first thing with my schedule is I have every single day printed off. So I have time blocks for everything. So literally on my desk, if you walk into my office, there's a pile of seven pieces of paper. Even my day off, I have literally planned of what I'm going to do that day. Okay. And I time block everything. So Mondays are my kind of admin days where I'm either creating content or writing content or getting caught up on things, going over our finances with our team, whatever needs to be taken care of. And then Tuesday through Friday is time blocked. So everything from sales to even when I'm going to send out emails, when I go to the gym, when I eat, everything is written out. And that's helpful because although I'm not a robot, I can still take a call. Thank you. Take a call. Um, You still never see me cry. So no one really quite knows. (laughs) But I can take a call. I can be flexible. I can do a podcast in the middle of the day. But when I get back to my desk, if I have, if I'm off at all, I look back at my schedule and I can immediately get back on it. Hey, I had a sales Mm. call. No one showed up. How many times do you have something where people don't show up or it gets delayed and you're sitting there twiddling your thumbs, wasting 15 minutes or an hour. Mm. And so I have a go-to list of, hey, if this doesn't happen, here are the things that I need to get done. Yeah. So it's just throwing it, it to first every single time, which has helped me so much be able to get the most out of my day. So that way I'm not just reacting to everybody else's schedule. I don't check my email first thing in the morning. I don't check it before 10 a.m. because right. there's nothing that urgent people my if anyone needs to get a hold of me they'll text me they'll do whatever they need to do yeah so it's protecting my time so that way I can get more out of my day versus reacting to everybody else's agenda i That's think has point. been one of the most important things i could do because yeah whether it's traveling to meetings or responding to email or getting distracted on social media i have time blocks for everything that if i am going to get distracted if i want to watch youtube videos while i eat my lunch Great. It's on my schedule that I've got 20 minutes or something that I can watch a good cat video. Everyone you loves a that. good cat video. Everybody yeah.
0: needs a good cat video in their yeah. life. Yeah. One thing that I find myself doing is I don't have time for something. And so I think, okay, I'm going to tackle this tomorrow. And then I don't have time for it the next day. Uh-huh. And I don't have to And it, I was actually thinking about this today. I was like, if I don't get this done today, it doesn't happen tomorrow because tomorrow is booked. Sure prioritization, I think, is super important. One thing I've found myself looking at with my young company is, what are the things I'm doing that's making me money? Yep. Because I've been very blessed that a lot of people are reaching out, and they're like, John, I want to talk to you about this. Will you do this? Will you do this? And I want to let you know about this or learn more about your company. And very thankful for that. But you can spend, you know, drop something. (laughs) Uh, But you can spend all day doing stuff that's actually not valuable for you at all.
1: But it feels like you're getting a lot of stuff done.
0: Yeah. Being busy is different yep. than being productive.
1: And I think that's the worst thing about having a to-do list is I have categories of things. So at the beginning of the week, I say, okay, okay. here's in my life category, whether it's buying my nephew a present or making vacation plans, that's in my life category. I'm not yeah. touching that during the day. I'll do it Wednesday night because I have my lifetime right. block. Right. And the same thing is with finance or sales or fulfillment or anything like that. And um, because it's so easy to either respond to everybody else's agenda, respond to everybody else's requests and feel right. like you're doing a lot because you're simply just checking things off of this to-do list that isn't actually getting you closer to your goals.
0: Yeah, another part of it is rest. And one thing that I need a lot of rest, days. Beauty sleep. <laughs> days, this doesn't do itself. That's you know? right. But no, what I got caught up in early on.
1: How many hours of sleep do you get a night?
0: So I'm somebody who needs a lot of sleep. So I need eight Obviously. hours.
1: But eight hours isn't a lot.
0: Like minimum eight hours. You okay. Know? So I, and I've so started you're to, like a hibernator. Ah.
1: You're just going to wake up 12 hours later if we just leave you on your own.
0: I wish. Yeah. Like back in the day when I was younger, I used to wake up at noon every weekend and I was just, my roommates were like,
1: did he die? Yeah. He's alive <laughs>
0: again. You yeah. Know? But obviously now that I've matured greatly, sure. Aged slightly. I wake up a lot earlier. Yeah. But and the thing that I've been trying to get myself to do is go to bed to go to bed earlier. Sure. Uh, because I found I'm somebody who needs a little bit of urgency. And I've never categorized myself as a morning person, the guy who got up at noon, obviously. Yeah. But I'm most effective in the morning. At night, I'm just not productive. Sure. And I know some people, especially in the design world, like they have their day job and then they do freelance at night. and They're mm-hmm. just cranking away all night. I'm just going to be wasting my time at night. And so what I've evaluated is, let me work till 7.30 p.m., and let me have a little bit of a couple hours of just looking at funny stuff on Twitter, or I'm watching the football game, or I'll go skateboarding or whatever, and then let me get up at 6 in the morning the next day, and then have my coffee, and I'm just rearing to go, and then I can go till 7.30. But the first few weeks of my business, which was a few weeks ago, (laughs) (laughs) I was... I mean, by the end of the week, I was exhausted Yep. because I was working every moment, every day. And I was talking to my coach because I was like, there's not enough time in the day and I have all these things I need to do and I want to do it and everything. She said, John, different people have different schedules and it's more important that your hours are productive and energized than just the amount of hours you work. And while I think it's different for everybody, because some people do only need four hours and some people... Do have the constant motor, but I've found that if I give myself more time to rest and sleep, I'm actually getting more done because my hours awake are more productive. Yep. So, what is that like for you?
1: Yeah, I'm. I sleep eight hours at least a night, and yeah. I think when I was younger, I think you try and see how far you can go on how little you have. I still do that with the gas in my tank, which reminds me I need to get gas on our yeah. drive home. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, I need to pick up some gas. I think that there was almost this challenge of, oh, my gosh, like I could power through. But you get older and you're not your body just doesn't work that way anymore. And there's
0: that, like a there's almost like a humble brag part of it. Like, oh, I work 12 hours a day. I work for I'm on the grind. I'm totally. a hustler. I'm an totally. entrepreneur. And it's man, you're going to die young.
1: <laughs> I know it's absolutely not worth it at all. Yeah, I'm obsessed with longevity. Like I want to be here 126 years I'm like I got a lot of stuff That's to do. Specific. It's very specific, yeah. And so it's like the sleep, the eat, like what I eat, like how I work out. Everything's really focused on that because when you know your purpose and you know who it is that you want to help, you want to be around longer, and you want to be healthy enough and have your faculties enough that you can be around longer. So yeah, rest is super important. Taking vacation days, like I'm doing a staycation this weekend, which. I have never said anything more millennial in my entire life than I'm doing a staycation. But it's true. I just noticed that we've been traveling a lot and I haven't had time to really evaluate. The book came out. It's been incredible success. Super, super stoked about it. But Like, where am I in all of this? Like, how do I make sure that I'm going in the right direction and not just being herded along, reacting to the next request or the next thing that's coming up? Taking time to really focus on yourself. And it's not like you need a mental health day. Don't be dramatic. But but I I think that you need, you're the only one who's going to really be able to, it's your body. You're the one who lives in it. So taking care of it, I think is super important. And I think changing the conversation around sleep and rest and relaxation and not making it like I hustle for 12 or 14 hours a day and so then I crash, that doesn't help anybody. And I'm kind of over the whole like rise and grind hustle culture of entrepreneurship because I think that it's just a humble brag of I'm working hard, which everybody's working hard. Not everyone is working smart. So if you have time to post about how you're hustling, you're not hustling. If you're talking um, about your grind, nice. you're not really paying attention and actually helping people. You're right. just making it more about you than anything else. So I think that's something I've learned a lot through the entrepreneurial journey is just the hidden agenda of ego through everything and how we make it about ourselves rather okay. than making it about other people. Yeah. And that's that's a dog you just keep feeding because it's just always gonna come and rear its head in a, in a different way. And again, I think when you become obsessed with helping people and you're like, I now know, at the beginning of my company, it was all about me getting on stages, writing books, all of that, and it was fun, but I genuinely don't know whose life I helped. Like right Mm. now, I have so many people that I'm like, oh my gosh, I just met with Mukesh last week who said he took my program, he fed 680,000 people in India, because of the principles that we taught him. The slums in India, crazy. Or like people who started companies that can help their kids go to college finally. Like I have faces that then I attach to the transformations that I've been able to provide. So that's what I think the real power of knowing your purpose and using your purpose is, is Mm. being obsessed with the transformation, the end result of helping people versus the journey of feeling like you're worthy of getting to the place of you get... Recognition and accolades for, you know, what it is that you're hustling on
0: So I love what you said about ego. I I experienced this a lot too because i've had cameras pointed at me since I was 14 years old on a skateboard and in high school, I had seven different sponsors and big fish small pond the situation and I just got used to People paying attention to me and creating an image And I remember I got off social media about four years ago, which you point out Uh, constantly and a big thing for me to realize was do I enjoy the things I'm doing if nobody else knows about it and I had found myself previous to that doing a lot of cool things I had some cool jobs the feed was lit as you millennials say and we don't say that okay great scratch that production team people were seeing me doing a lot of stuff that looked cool and I was enjoying their validation of what I was doing rather than just enjoying what I was doing.
1: Sure.
0: And I got caught up in this like really crazy cycle of that. And especially when I no longer had Instagram and I would go skateboarding by myself at the skate park, it was a big perspective shift because I was like, if I do a trick that is impressive and nobody sees it, do I still enjoy it? Or am I only doing it for the validation sure. of others? And it sounds like you've had a little bit of this experience as well. And I think what we've both realized is when you switch your perspective from yourself to other people, Yep. I think if you're always taking care of other people, you'll always be taken care of.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the other thing is people really appreciate that. And it, it comes through the authenticity. I've noticed post on LinkedIn and stuff, when I, I was tentative about ramping up my LinkedIn content because I was like, I don't want to just talk about myself all the time. and I don't want to look like somebody who's just sure. wanting to promote myself. Yeah. And as I realized what I can do with that, of course, you want to point out some things about your business and promote yourself. But if the focus is on helping other people or recognizing other people, not only is that, I think, better accepted, but it's more gratifying.
1: Yeah, no, it, it absolutely is. I think especially when you're starting out. I think people a lot of times pull back because they don't want to be seen as egotistical. They don't want to be seen for what they really are, which is, Mm. I think, interesting because we're like, I, I don't want people to think that I'm only trying to push my own products or services or I don't want to be a bad actor. Like so many people tell me, there are already so many people in the space who are selling stuff and I don't want to seem pushy like them or I don't want to sound like they do. I don't like how they do it. And so the very reason they should get into the industry is the very reason that they don't get into the industry.
0: Interesting. Yeah. So
1: they say, oh, there's so many bad actors I don't want to get in. That's like saying there's so many bad coffee shops here. I shouldn't start a coffee shop. <laughs> no, there's a market. <laughs> if there's bad coffee, make some dang good coffee and, and right. do really well. So I, I think that a lot of times people have this even fear of success where people are like, what's going to happen if I am successful? Because it changes. That, yeah. Totally. It it changes your world. It changes your dynamic. And, and I think what COVID's really taught me a lot is that how as humans, we're so addicted to certainty and control. Mm. So I don't know what's going to happen next. And so I'm going to control you because I feel out of control. So I can't control whether or not my client's going to keep me or I can't control whether or not my company's going to keep me or yeah. whether or not the economy's going to recover, who's going to get elected. And because I feel out of control, I'm going to seek control on top of others. And I think it's changed a lot of our society dynamics. I think it's changed our business dynamics. And I think when you recognize that as a person to say, okay, why am I acting this way? Most likely the reason that you're being rude to your spouse or partner, you're reacting funny or you're in a weird mood, it's because you feel out of control. And so Uh, it start with yourself Yeah, because you're trying to control other people. Like I love watching people in the airport. It's one of my favorite things to do now with the masks. It's even better And so I've been flying a lot and uh, it's amazing seeing how people interact with other people, whether it's like yelling at someone else for putting a mask on, like really, would you really do that in any other time is yelling at someone or judging people or cutting someone off in line, trying to get two seats ahead of them on the airplane, dude, we're all going to get on. And and I think as a society and even just as individuals on an individual level, we're all trying to seek control. And Mm. so get in control of yourself and your life and you're not going to be as reactionary or even as disappointed like the reason that you're disappointed in your relationships and your in your clients everything comes down to expectations Mm -hmm. and I think that the reason that you are upset is because your expectations are probably inappropriate or unrealistic
0: yeah everything comes down to expectations I yeah I was what was a catapult into me deciding to do all this stuff was I applied for a job with a an agency and I for sure thought I was going to get it like everything was pointing sure. to getting hired and then I didn't even get an interview and it, there, it was such a gut punch and I was like what am I going to do and then it resulted in people encouraging me to do this stuff but it was all around the expectation of what I thought sure. I was going to get and that's super that's very interesting about what can you the need for control and then what can you control is literally yourself and nothing else. Sadly, a lot of people can't control that much or choose not to.
1: That's exactly right. Yeah. I think Seinfeld, I don't know if you've watched his latest stand up or not, but he's I don't this think great. So I've seen
0: everything else that he's done.
1: Yeah. So he's got this great stand up on Netflix, but he talks about how ridiculous it is to put overweight people in Las Vegas with buffet. And he's like, these already these people already have problems with self control, and you're putting them now in a buffet. Right. And we're all like that in some way or another.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. We all have our Bad things. people at a buffet. So speaking of things, How's that for a segue? <laughs> That's
1: perfect segue.
0: Harsh segway. Uh-huh. This guy used to work with at GameStop. He had this slide in his decks that was the greatest, and it was it said harsh segway. It had police on segways, like breaking up a riot. I
1: get it, yeah. It was incredible. It's quite literal.
0: So speaking of police on segways, so tell us about what's coming next in your industry. Everybody who we have on, we love to have the opportunity to, to to just pick your brain and give the audience an idea of what do they need to be aware of, sure. or what is this next big thing happening that you're looking forward to?
1: Yeah, I'm. I speak a lot at conferences, and so in, th- in the personal development space too. I think everything has certainly been affected by COVID in different ways, and so right. I think uh, adaptability has been the the superpower or the kryptonite of individuals and industries as a whole. And uh, I think the conference business has completely changed forever um, because back to expectations. Now people expect to be able to get the same kind of content or the same access to speakers in their jammies. Mm -hmm. And so getting people, I think it's going to change a lot of the dynamics of how organic relationships happen, business deals, innovation, because you can sit and learn from Zoom or from a computer from your home, but you're not necessarily going to be number one, as engaged. And number two, you're not going right. to have those kind of organic conversations in the hallways or getting coffee in the morning. And right. I think the, I think that is really going to change the way that people learn as well. And so I think okay. it's actually really going to hamstring people. But VR has completely changed the game. And I think that's been really good for industries. I work a lot with the military. And so they used to say, yeah. there's no way we're ever going to do anything on Zoom or anything virtually. It has to be in person, put your phones away. Like I had to put my phone in a special box to be able to get onto most of these bases. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, and because of COVID, now they're like, okay, great. Everyone's using their personal device. We've got a Zoom account and it's completely changed. So yeah. I think it's actually proven a lot of these old dinosaur industries and conferences that they can change. And so I think that on the other side of it, I'm such an optimist. It's annoying. But on the other side of that, I think it's actually training people that they can change, even though they mm. always said, they use that as an excuse. Right. Like, we're never going to change. We've always been this way. Always doesn't count anymore in a crisis. True. So I think that how people are able to adapt and change, I think, then been, been really cool. And I'm really proud of a lot of industries. So... The conference space, I don't know what it's going to look like. It's going to look a lot more virtual. It's going to have a lot more VR platforms are already coming out. there, making it much more accessible and yeah. engaging. And, and I don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like. But I think that the personalization of a conference and personal development experience, like we're working on an assessment right now for the purpose factor of how do you find your purpose and how do you create a, a company around purpose and how do you create a career around yeah. purpose? Yeah. And so I think technology and the way that we... Are able to attach science to human innovation and human development, I think is pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, we did with Esports Trade Association. We had a virtual conference in September. Yep. And one of the most valuable. I noticed valuable, you
1: didn't ask me to uh, speak.
0: Yeah, I didn't tap your is that expertise a, on. Instead next sports. year. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to build it's up in to. There. It. Yeah. You know, we don't want our top tier talent.
1: I'll put on my calendar for next year. For, please. Yes.
0: I'll send you an invite. Be on the lookout for it. Anyway, as I was saying, no. So we had this virtual conference in September, and the most valuable thing about a conference, I think, is the in-person interaction. Mm -hmm. Because yeah, you're going to learn a little bit from the speakers and stuff, but it's that nothing can replace that face-to-face moment. I've gone to met people through had a bunch of emails, then we go to dinner, and then it's oh my gosh, now we have a rapport. Sure, we have things we can laugh about, all the things. So we created uh, virtual networking. And virtual happy hours, and I was shocked how effective they were. But I think partially it was because this happened in September, not in May, and so I think people have had this time where they've experienced sure. and they've become a little bit used to interacting virtually. And i found personally, if if I really want to get to know somebody who's a new contact, we're going to do a Zoom call. I want to see their face yeah. while they talk. I'm not that interested. I'm just like, hit up my cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be playing full.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that explains a lot. Every time we're on the that phone. That was that sound <laughs> in the background. And
0: you're like, click. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, there's John again, playing full at his house. But yeah, I, th- I think a lot of the reason for that change that's coming is that people have been forced to experience it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like in marketing, I'm a big believer that experiential marketing is going to really take off because people have been forced to become f- – to be comfortable with sure. it and there's case studies are created and now going forward it's not hey do you want to do this new cool thing that you've never done before it's no look at all the benefits of this thing and now or at least your competitors doing it and so I think that's going to be super interesting to see in the event space yep, and also to see are people how many people are going to go to physical conferences and say yeah I'm going to go to meet in person how many are going to say no I'm going to stay home and zoom for my jammies." what is your do you have a guess on that?
1: I think, so there's the whole innovation theory curve, which I'm sure that you've heard about and like the early adopters yeah. and the late adopters and everybody For in between. Sure. And I think that I think that there are plenty of people who are getting really tired of Zoom. The Zoom fatigue is real that they're like, sure. okay, one more Zoom meeting. I personally like how everyone started off like with a suit, like jacket on top. And now it's just digressed to like oversized sweatshirts and holding babies and Zoom calls. Like everyone just, I just like,
0: started in the sweatshirts. Right. Called me an early adopter.
1: I, that's what I was going to say is you really set the trend. Thank you for that. And now I think everyone is just recognizing that we work and we have a life and it's not one or the other, but it's integrated. And I think Good that's point. been really nice. But I, I think that a lot of people are eager to get out and see people face to face. And I think that they just either don't feel safe. And so I think a lot of conferences and companies are now having to take extra precautions to make sure that people feel safe. True. But for those who do feel fine and safe and make sure that, you know, everything's, you know, hunky dory, I think that there's going to be a huge resurgence. We're already starting to see in the travel space that travel's up and people I think are becoming much more comfortable getting out of their homes. Whereas you're right, at the beginning of COVID, people were, it was the sit and wait. Like, I'm not sure. Now it's the, you know, quote unquote, new normal. And I think people are recognizing, hey, my life has to continue on. It's been eight months. It's been seven months. It's been 10 months, whatever it's been. Mm -hmm. And people need to, their life has to keep going on. So pushing the pause button, I think, on 2020 isn't an option. I think some people have taken that option and they woke up in the same place that they were maybe 10 months ago. Yeah. But I think for most of us recognizing going into it, we were really intentional we're like, this is either a crisis or it's a gift. That's it. There's just two different perspectives. So you can either see it as everything is, I'm freaking out, let's stop whatever we're doing and try and get back to normal. Or how can I see this as a gift and be thankful for a new season, a new opportunity? And and a mantra going into it was, I'm either going to consume or create. Yeah. And so I'm either going to consume media, entertainment, distractions, carbs, whatever that looks like. Post Maybe a carbs. little bit of that. Yeah, pretty much. I was like on like a mission to find the best tacos here in Dallas, and I'm pretty sure I found them.
0: Where are they, by the way? My, my obsession
1: think. with Velvet Taco is very real. Yeah. yeah. Very real. I don't want to talk about it. They make should interest. sponsor your podcast, by the way.
0: <laughs> Agreed. If you can make that <laughs> intro for me, I I'll,
1: I'll see what I can do. Yeah. I'm having them sponsor my life at this point. But... Or I could create, like I could consume or I could create. And that creation has led to a new company, new books, new opportunities. And it's been, 2020 has been our best year. And and I think very few people have been able to say that, but it was a mindset at the beginning. It wasn't because we saw our income coming and we're like, oh, yeah, this is perfect. We're we're making money off of this. Like we yeah. weren't selling masks. OK, if you're in the mask industry, good on you. That's yeah. not what we were doing. We're a live events and training company. I have to show up in person to make money. So we had to adjust and change and adapt. And yeah. And I think that the industry overall has done that. But now we've hit a plateau and I think it's time for us to innovate again. Because Zoom isn't enough. Yeah. We now need to make it more interactive.
0: I'm a big believer. I love the mindset, thought of that. I'm a big believer in seasons of life. And what was eye-opening to me, I was talking to a friend a while back. We were just talking about different situations of life and how they have pros and cons. One thing he said is if you're not happy in this season, you're not going to be happy in the next season. Sure. But every season.
1: But no one thinks that, though. It's always like the grass is greener. Exactly, And I think I posted, because you follow me on Instagram, I posted that sometimes the grass is greener because it's fake. AstroTurf. And I think, astro-turf. which is a, a new thing, apparently. I don't live in a house, so I don't know. You tell me. People are getting AstroTurf in, in your community. Uh, oh, I
0: guess the front yard that's managed <laughs> yeah. by the HOA. Uh-huh. Quite lovely. Um, um, yeah, but
1: I think that so many people think that is, oh, when I get this job or when I get married or when I and right. you attach happiness to a future date that doesn't ever come.
0: Agreed. And I would say more importantly, or just as importantly, there's unique pros and cons to every situation. They're just different. So when I joined, it was funny because I was working for PRG, and I got hired about six months before shutdown, the world's largest event producer, right? And so it I was not affected at all. <laughs> yeah, only ninety percent of revenue, roughly. <laughs> Give but or I take. was so um, happy to travel. And people were like John, you're working too much, you're traveling too much, and I said. I'm going to travel as much as I can while I enjoy it. So sure. I don't have to travel as much later. Now, I didn't know it'd be only six months of travel. But the other part of co. my thing with COVID was I started getting invited onto a few podcasts. And I said, I'm going to try to just get myself out there as a thought leader on all these podcasts. And I ended up doing about 15 of them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then obviously ended up doing my own, which and the the company and all of those things. Yeah, no, I'm a big believer that everything is an opportunity. It's just sometimes those opportunities are less obvious, you just have to search for them. Yep. Thank you for having taken the opportunity to join us on the DLC Drop podcast. Yeah. Is there anything you would like to plug or where can people find you?
1: Yeah, so our big thing is getting the book out there. Our, we're super, super passionate about helping people find their purpose. So if you're in transition, trying to figure out what's next, just not quite sure you know about that clarity piece of your life, pick up a copy of the Purpose Factor. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, or at PurposeFactorBook.com.
0: Love it. Thank you again for joining us. I know our audience is going to love this episode.
1: Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on.
0: That was another great episode of the DLC Drop, this time with our guest, Gabrielle Boucher. It was so interesting listening to her perspective on transforming others and how we can do that through our work. Also, her book, The Purpose Factor, is definitely recommended, so make sure to pick that up. Thank you for listening to the DLC Drop podcast. This podcast is part of the eSports Futuri podcast network and produced by Innovation Media Enterprises. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast channel and leave us a review.